All right, I hope that you've all turned to Psalm 92. It's a great psalm. We'll be looking at several different passages this morning, um, but we're going to open with this one. uh, Starting in verse 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, verse 4, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. Verse 7. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Verse 10. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's pray. Lord, again, we want to thank you for this amazing man, A man like us. We pray that you'd help us become more like him. And Lord, thank you for this man who loved you so dearly. I pray that you would anoint us with fresh oil this morning. So again, Lord, I just uh, sound the shofar, praying that we'd have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to each of us today. Thank you, Lord, for being such a good and gracious God. Now minister to us through your word. Amen. God's word says that if we are planted in the house of the Lord, we will still bear fruit in old age and be fresh and flourishing. I don't know about you, but at my age, I'm claiming that. But think about it, how many of you are genuinely feel like you're bearing fruit in old age, 
are fresh and flourishing. I, I see those few hands. God bless you. That was a small percentage of this room. You know, the truth is many of us have been planted in the Lord's house for many years. Well, my prayer this morning is that God's Word and His truth by His Spirit would show us the pathway to continual fruit-bearing, to freshness and flourishing. I just love verse 10. Look back to verse 10. David says, But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. The Hebrew word for horn is karen, like the name. It means to send out rays or to be radiant. And this is the same word that is used to describe Moses' face after he had been with God on Mount Sinai. Karen also implies great strength. I have been anointed with fresh oil. This phrase really stood out to me. The most common Hebrew word for anointed is mashuach. In fact, even Jesus is called Yeshua HaMashiach, so that's another form of mashuach. But amazing to me was that this word used for anointing is not mashuach, it's ra'anan. And ra'anan means to be green, like a full of leaf tree. Abundant and radiant. That's what this anointing means. But what did David do to be blessed with seeing God's work and his enemies be scattered and destroyed? Why did he flourish in his relationship with God? Well, let's look to the opening verses of this psalm. Look what David says. He gave thanks to the Lord. He sang praises to his holy name. He declared the Lord's name and he sang of the Lord's mercy in the morning and his faithfulness at night. Here it is. Can you see why David had a special place in God's heart? He knew the key to abundant life and he entered the gate into God's presence through thanks and praise day after day. Isn't that simple? David consistently demonstrated his love for God with a growing desire for intimacy with him. And how was David rewarded by God? Fresh oil. Fresh oil. David's passion for God was abundant and radiant, and I love even in old age. Another passage I want us to take a look at is Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Jesus tells two significant parables in this chapter concerning the kingdom of heaven. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins and then he gives the parable of the talents. And Jesus ends up concluding this significant chapter 25 talking about his second coming and his judging of the nations once he returns. Now in the first parable, Jesus revealed the significance of having enough oil, fresh oil. 
Most of us are familiar with the story of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, so I'll, I'll just paraphrase the, uh, the first part of it. All ten women were virgins. All were sleeping when the bridegroom came. And they all awoke, and they all trimmed their lamps when he was coming. However, five of the virgins were prepared and ready. Five were not ready. Where they differed was that some carried extra oil besides that which was in their lamps. And the ones with the extra oil, he makes specific, they were ready to meet the bridegroom. And the others ran out of oil and had to go buy more. The five with the extra oil were what? They were welcomed into the wedding. Five were not welcome to the wedding. And look at what Jesus, look at what the Lord said to them. Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Now this could mean that he once did know them, but now they had become strangers to him. Look at Matthew 25, verse 10. When the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in to meet with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Now Jesus is probably not talking about the gate or the door to heaven, or the new Jerusalem. He specifically is talking about the gate to the wedding hall. Now remember, they were all virgins. I see that as blood-washed inheritors of the kingdom. But he's implying that all were called to the wedding, but half were not ready. They ran out of oil. In Matthew 22... Jesus tells another parable about the wedding feast. I'll tell you, marriage was on the Lord's heart. It still is. Another parable about a wedding feast that a king prepared for his son. I want you to turn there just a few chapters earlier, chapter 22. Verse 1 says, And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Jesus said that the king sent out his servants calling other servants to get ready for the wedding feast, but they did not come. The highest authority in the land, the king, sent out invitations, and what happened? They took it lightly. They didn't feel honored with the invitation. Now perhaps they didn't care that much about the king or his son or this coming bride. The parable about the wedding feast ends with this very sobering yet truthful statement. For many are called, but few are chosen. 
I like to say, many are the called of God, but few genuinely prove themselves to be the chosen ones. Friends, the truth is Jesus has waited a long time to get married. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. One thing is for certain, when Jesus marries his bride, he will be perfectly equally yoked to her. She will love him with the same love that he loves her. They will be in love. They just won't have a love for one another. They will be in love with one another. How longing are you for the bridegroom? Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. The true bride of Christ has this blessed hope. She can't wait to see him. She can't wait to be with him. Not just when they die, but they want to be with him right now. Right now. In Matthew 25, 12, Jesus said this to the foolish virgins, I do not know you. I got some fresh insight from this recently. The English spelling of the Greek word used here for know is E-I-D-O. And it's pronounced I do. The bridegroom is saying, I do not, I do you. He's saying, I do not know you intimately enough to marry you. And as we all know, in every wedding, the most sacred moment is when the bride and the groom look at each other, into each other's eyes, and they say, I do. These foolish virgins wanted heaven, but they didn't want marriage. And there's a difference. They didn't want total, absolute commitment. They weren't totally abandoned. They weren't in love daily. They didn't have the extra oil needed to be ready for the marriage. How tragic it will be if you and I are not carrying enough extra oil when Jesus returns. This parable describes what happens. This is the time when we need to be collecting more oil. Jesus wants each of us to be ready when he comes. We saw the significance of giving thanks and praise in Psalm 92. That's how David let out the psalm. David opened Psalm 100 saying, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. It was an act of his will. Every day he chose to be thankful. Every day. Is that how you begin your times of devotion every day? It's a good pattern. It's a kingdom pattern. 
David began with thanksgiving. And the more thankful we are, it easily transforms into praise and adoration. I will enter with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. Oil starts flowing. David actively pursued God. He received fresh oil through his giving of thanks and giving of praise in obedience to God's spirit and God's will. Obedience to God is critical for receiving fresh oil. Friends, obedience is the release valve to the oil reserve. Obedience is the release valve to the oil reserve. Song of Songs 2 says, He brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me was love. We all know that. Friends, it's while we sit at his table that he anoints our head with oil. If we never sit and dine with him in fellowship, you know what? We're going to be short on oil. Jesus just doesn't want a simple snack with us. And yet we live in a snack age. He wants fellowship. He wants to anoint our heads with oil. He wants us to sit and not be in a hurry to get up. He wants to eat a full meal with us. So he invites us by his spirit to engage in rich, prolonged communion with him. And he's made provision for it. Now it's up to us to make the time for fellowship with him. I want you to see this. There is a difference between relationship and fellowship. This is evident in 1 John 5. Oh, excuse me, 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. John writes, This is the message which we have heard from Jesus and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In order to have fellowship with God, who is light and truth, we must be walking in light and truth. Our level of fellowship with God and with others will always depend on our level of obedience to the truth. The reason for relationship is fellowship. It's possible to have relationship without fellowship. Example, a disobedient child still has relationship with his parents, but the, the fellowship is broken until there is confession, apology, and reconciliation. A rebellious wife and an unloving husband are still married in relationship, but their fellowship is damaged. Do you see it? It's the same with us. We are still God's 
children. And when we sin or are disobedient, what happens is that our fellowship with Him is damaged. We have all kinds of excuses to sit at His table. Well, I have to do this. Uh, yeah, And pretty soon we get into habits where we're barely in fellowship other than Sunday mornings. By sinning, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we forfeit intimacy with Him. When we have broken fellowship with God, we struggle to have loving relationships with one another. That's the fruit of having a broken relationship with God. But if we confess our sin and we apply the blood of Jesus to our hearts and we walk in truth, we will have fellowship and communion with the Lord and with one another. It comes into harmony when we're in fellowship with Him. So we need to sit more often and for longer periods of time with Jesus. We need the oil that comes when we dine with Him. When He fills our cup to a place of overflowing. And the more we fellowship with the Lord, the more oil we're going to be in, uh, able to, get, to accumulate. This is why David said in Psalm 92, that fresh oil was his reward for what? Fellowship with God. The sobering truth is that we're going to need a lot more than daily maintenance to overcome evil in these upcoming days. The five wise virgins not only had oil in their lamps, they also carried extra oil. They were prepared for the unexpected delay of the bridegroom. So the Lord asks us today, are you prepared for the unexpected delays and trials and pressures or losses that will come before He comes? Extra oil provides us with greater grace in our times of need. All while we're waiting for the bridegroom. If we will wisely accumulate fresh oil now, we're going to be ready when the bridegroom comes. I've pondered, I've thought about how those virgins must have felt or will feel since it's prophetic. I mean, they're blood washed, they're in heaven. But Jesus makes a distinguishing thing from being in heaven and getting married. Getting married is the most intimate. Jesus will not be unequally yoked. His bride is going to love him in the same measure that he loves her. That means all of our love has to increase. All of ours. But to see the wedding door shut, to know that, praise the Lord, I made it thus far, but I, I didn't make it in there. Don't you want to marry the Lord? Isn't he your most intimate one? 
Isn't he the one that your soul longs for? God wants to increase bridal love. That's the first love that the church of Ephesus, the most filled and most obedient church, but they missed the one thing that the Lord was looking for. First love, passionate love, bridal love. It's an enduring love. And it should make our hearts beat faster because his coming is sooner than it was when we first believed. Let's pray. God, our Father, oh God, we want to be wise in these last days. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our foolishness in being so easily distracted from loving you daily. Daily. Give us bridal love for Jesus. Lord, we want to think about you all throughout the day. That's bridal love. You're thinking about us all the time. Yes, we've said yes to your invitation, O King. But in our waiting... It's been easy to slumber. It's been easy to go to sleep. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd wake us up. I pray you'd wake me up. Lord, keep us alert in these difficult days. Keep us alert. Watching and waiting. I close reading from Ephesians 5. The light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act foolishly or thoughtlessly, but understand what the will of the Lord is and what He wants you to do. And be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and overflow with thanksgiving to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He has fresh oil that is available to each one of us daily and throughout the day. Let's all make sure that we have extra oil. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your day. Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 74. Psalm 74. Lord bless you. Have a great one.